Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life. We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc live to connect with us and become part of our online campus. We know that you're gonna enjoy this message you're about to watch. Awesome, well I am so excited to be here. For those of you I haven't had an opportunity to meet, my name is Diana Henderson, and my husband and I are the campus pastors for our South End campus. Woo! Now Madison was just saying that we are about to celebrate two years at South End. And let me just tell you, we have seen some radical life change at South End. So we're so excited to see that happen at our Lake Norman campus as well. So we, if you're new to Freedom House, I just wanna share that we are one house with many rooms and we also have something pretty unique. It's called a teaching team. I'm on that teaching team and basically we rotate around our three campuses and several services every weekend to bring you a live word of God. Isn't that cool? And it's so cool because this actually a vision from our pastors, our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell. Y'all, they are amazing. Not only are they leaders of leaders, but they see gifts in other people and they say, you know what? We're not gonna reserve this platform for ourselves. We're gonna share it with people who have gifts to honor the kingdom. So will you guys join me in honoring them? Because they are absolutely amazing. Thank you guys for all that you do. So. We're gonna kick off a fun series tonight that we've been in for the last month. Y'all ready for this? It's called Without a Doubt, and it's all about starving our doubts and feeding our faith. Starving doubts and feeding faith. So I thought we would dive into some statistics to kick us off. You guys good with that? Did you know that 85% of things that we worry about and we doubt about don't actually happen? 85%. Come on, do I got any doubters in here? That's a lot of wasted time, right? Well, and for the 15% that actually did happen, nine or 79% of those people found that they were able to handle those situations much better than expected. Which means that 97% of the things that we doubt or worry about are basically just messed up thoughts in our head. Come on, somebody. So doubt, it's a messed up thing. What is doubt? Merriam-Webster defines it as a lack of confidence in. A lack of confidence in, kind of interesting. So who faces doubt? Anyone in here? Oh, we got some honest people up in church. For those of you without hands raised, I wanna meet you after church because I wanna know how you do life. So all of us face doubt. It, doubt is no respecter of persons. You know, some of my research showed that the top four things that people doubt about Number one, finances. Number two, our health. Number three, relationships. And number four, job security. Sound familiar? So today, we want, I wanna talk a little bit about not just our faith, but I wanna talk about how to put our faith in action. Because we are a practical church and we wanna talk about things that will help us practically grow in our faith. Does that sound good to you guys? So we're gonna go into four things today of how to put our faith in action. Now, um, Hebrews 11.1, 1, 
we talked about doubt is a lack of confidence in. So what's the definition of faith? Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is a confidence in, I love that. Another way to say that is faith is a confident expectation of good. In other words, when we doubt, we are not confidently expecting good things to happen. You know, in the Bible, just above that scripture, it reads faith in action. And that's really kind of the heartbeat of the message that I want to share with you today. In fact, Hebrews 11 is often called the hall of faith. And I would encourage you to read it when you have a chance, but I just want to highlight a few things for you from the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Verse 7 says that by faith, Noah built an ark and saved his family from the flood that wiped out the earth. Verse 23, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for the first three months of his life to save him from the edict of the king. Verse 29, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they walked around the city and they marched. You know, we're going to talk about faith in action and four things in particular, but I want to talk about a story in the Bible as we do that. And I want to introduce you to somebody named Jairus. Now, Jairus was a synagogue leader which means that he was no stranger to doubt. Can you imagine? He probably was faced with doubt every day as a leader. Any leaders in here who doubt themselves on occasion? Not only that, but he also was around everybody else's doubt and everybody else's problems. So he was surrounded by doubt. Now, Jairus also, it says in the Bible that he had a 12-year-old daughter. Parents in here? Preteen parents? I have a friend that told me that the first time he saw his daughter's head spin all the way around was when she was about 12 and a half. So Jairus knows what it's like. Now, Jairus, in this story that we're going to dive into, has just received some news that his daughter has fallen ill, and it's beyond doctor's repair. Can you imagine getting that news about your child that they are sick to the point of nothing that the doctors can do? Can you imagine the doubt that he was facing? Now, maybe you've never received a medical report like that, but maybe you've received a bill in the mail that you couldn't pay for, or maybe you had a relationship walk out on you. I think we can all find ourselves in a great place of doubt, like J. Iris. So here he is, he's doubting, and you can imagine that he's thinking, hold on a second, I have been faithful. I have served the church, I have led other people. How is this happening to me? Jairus is in a great place of doubt. But you know what? He then says, well, wait a second. Jesus, this man who healed the blind, turned water into wine, cast out demons, surely he can heal me. He can heal my daughter. So what does Jairus do? He goes to find Jesus. And this is where we pick up. This is Luke chapter 8, verse 41 in the Bible. It says this. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Now, let me just pause for a second because there's one thing I've learned in reading the Bible that when there's detail, we should pay attention to detail. 
Interesting that the Bible specifically names Jairus. It could have said a leader. What does Jairus mean? It means to be light or to shine. Come on, somebody. Doesn't the devil sometimes attack us in the very thing that we're called to be? He's called to be light, and he's in a place of darkness. What else does this scripture say? It says that Jairus falls at Jesus' feet. He falls at his feet. So point one in the message today of how to put our faith in action, it's to go to Jesus. I love that Jairus literally and physically leaves his place of doubt, his home, to go find Jesus. He leaves the place that he's in doubt to go find Jesus. I think Jairus said, you know what, I'm not going to take the doubt route. I'm going to go the walk of faith. And, you know, in this situation, as Jairus is leaving, you can just imagine what's going through his head. But what does that look like for us today? We can't necessarily stand before Jesus in the flesh. But what does that look like? How do we go to Jesus today? We pray. We pray. You know, Pastor Troy was talking earlier about the power of prayer. And, you know, I just want to encourage you. When I pray, I like to envision that literally heaven is deploying an army of angels to act on my behalf. Because when we pray, it's powerful. we got to go to Jesus. Jairus didn't phone a friend. He didn't Google. He went to Jesus. You know, a couple of uh, years ago, my husband Matt and I received a bill in the mail. And this bill had more zeros than I had ever seen on a bill before. And it was one of those moments in life when you literally feel like you've been punched in the gut because we didn't have the money to cover this bill. Now, our first thought was to panic, right? To think, oh my goodness, how are we gonna cover this? But you know, we had that moment when my husband said to me, Diana, we are tithers. We are obedient to what God is calling us to do. He is gonna take care of this. So what did we do? We got on our knees in the middle of our kitchen and we prayed that God would take care of this bill. Now, I kid you not, days later, we get a phone call from our mortgage company and they said, um, there's been a mistake. And we're like, oh, great. To your benefit, You've been overpaying on your mortgage for the last several months. And, you know, you could transfer it to your principal balance or you could go the next several months without a mortgage. Come on, somebody. Do you know that that was exactly the amount of what we needed to pay that bill? When you pray, God shows up. Give him a round of applause for that. Now, in Jairus' case... He's gone to Jesus, and then somebody else shows up with a need. This is where we pick up. This is Luke 8, 42. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Now, men, did you hear that? A bleeding woman showed up. Y'all know that's a lot of trouble, right? Are y'all awake tonight? Come on, y'all awake? Yeah? Okay. All right, I thought that was funny. So this woman is no ordinary woman, though. She's been suffering for 12 years. I don't know about you, but when I'm in pain for 12 minutes, everybody hears about it. She's been suffering for 12 years. Now, what did we just talk about? When a detail is in the Bible, we should pay attention, right? Where else 
does the number 12 show up? Jairus's daughter was 12 years old. Fun other fact, all 12 disciples were present in this story. So, okay, hint there, right? Number 12, what does that mean? Well, the Bible says that the number 12 is a symbol of faith, specifically inspired to take action. I love that. I love that we serve a God of detail. Don't you all? That we serve a God that literally leaves breadcrumbs in the Bible for us to follow his lead. I think that's amazing. So here's this woman, and the Bible says that no one can heal her. Sounds familiar, right? Because that's exactly what they say. They said to Jairus about his daughter. So here's this intersection of this woman with a disease and this, this child who's dying. And who's at the center of the intersection? Jesus. So this woman... She's been in isolation for years because in those times when you had a disease like that, you were deemed unclean. She could not even go to the local synagogue to worship. You can imagine that her friends probably abandoned her. Maybe not because they didn't care, but just because of convenience. Like, hey girl, like we're going out and you can't come. So sorry. Her family probably wasn't around her any longer because she was shamed. This woman is in a dark place, surrounded by doubt. But I like to think that the light bulb went on for her. She hears that Jesus is coming to town, and she's like, wait a second. This is the man who healed the blind, who turned water into wine, who cast out demons. Surely he can heal me. And I like to envision that she just gets this spark in her. She gets up Out of her isolation, just like Jairus, she goes to find Jesus and she sees that there's this crowd surrounding him. But that doesn't stop her. She pushes forward. And you can just imagine, like I like to envision, she's got like her elbows out, right? She's like, I'm gonna get through this crowd. And she's pushing through the crowd. And maybe she even falls down at her feet because she can't get in front of Jesus. So she falls down at his feet and she reaches up. And this is where we pick up. This is verse 44 in the Bible. It says, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Talk about faith. You know, there's another example in the Bible of faith like this in action. It's the centurion. He was a military leader, and he goes to Jesus because his servant has fallen ill. And he says, excuse me, Jesus, my servant is ill. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house, but only say the word, and I know he will be healed. Powerful, that faith in action. Powerful, that faith in action. You know, I think sometimes we'll settle for the touch of his garment. The centurion settled for just his word. You know, sometimes in life we're hanging on by a thread. And when we are, we got to make sure it's the hem of his garment. Jesus says in verse 45, who touched me? When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Jesus asks a question. Interesting, right? He's the son of God. Why do you think he asked a question? Do we have any teachers here today? What do you do when you're trying to get someone else to arrive at the answer? You ask a question. Jesus was a teacher. 
And you know, just side note, I love the, the disciples' response here because I feel like that would be me. Jesus is like, who touched me? And they're like, uh. Jesus, like, there's a lot of people around you. Like, it really could have been anyone. And Jesus says this in the next verse, verse 46. No, 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 no. Someone touched me. I know that the power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why. Y'all say that. She told why. One more time to make sure you've got it. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. So why did Jesus ask who touched him if he already knew the answer? I think he wanted the woman to identify her need. Point number two in today's message, to put our faith in action, we gotta ask. We've gotta ask God for what it is that we're looking for. Here's this woman suffering for 12 years and her pain louder was not getting God's attention. You know, I like to see it this way. God is a gentleman. He's not gonna just step in. He's waiting for us to ask. You know, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. And I love the message version of Matthew 7, 7 because it says, don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. And you know what? I love that when the woman identified her need, Jesus identified her as daughter. James 4, 2 says you ask not because you have not. So what happens when we don't ask and we go about doing stuff on our own accord? Anybody ever found themselves there? Yeah, so about, uh, well, when Matt and I first moved to Charlotte many years ago, neither one of us had jobs. And let me just let you in on our relationship. Matt and I are highly competitive with each other. We compete like to see who can race to the car faster, who can get the kids in the car seats faster. We race as to who can put the pillowcases on the pillow faster. I mean, we compete with each other on everything. So here we are, neither one of us have jobs and it's like instant competition. And Matt has a finance background, so I'm just going to say he had a little bit of a leg up because we are in the banking capital of the U.S. I had a marketing degree, but it didn't matter because I was going to win this one. So this was in those days where smartphones didn't exist, and we were broke. We could not afford internet. So I devised this strategy. I got a library card. And I went down to the library to get access to free internet. I would stand in line. I would get to the, you know, get to the computer, and I would have 20 minutes to um, apply for as many jobs as I could. Finally, I get a job interview, and it's with the sales and marketing company. I tell Matt, I'm like, eh, I got a job interview. What do you have? I go to my job interview. I'm all dressed up. And I show up, and the building has bars on the doors and windows. I'm like, um, okay, well, maybe it's just not a good part of town after dark. Like, that's cool. I go inside. I sit down after checking in with reception. And I hear from the conference room with the door closed this man screaming at the top of his lungs, we're going to hit our sales goals no matter what it takes. And 
I'm like, oh my goodness. I stand up and I'm about to dip out of that place. And all of a sudden I hear somebody say, Diana. I turn around and it's this guy. And he says, you must be here for your interview. And I'm like, um, yeah, I, you know, I think that maybe there's a mistake. And he's like, let me introduce you to Susie. And he introduces me to this woman and she was so sweet. Like I couldn't just abandon ship at this point because she was so nice. So anyway, the guy says, you're going to interview with her today and you're going to do a ride along. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I hop in the car with Susie and we drive for like 20 minutes in the car and we arrive at a bed, bath, and beyond. And I'm like, um, Susie, do you need to pick something up? And she's like, no, no, this is where we are for the day. I'm like, okay. So we get out of the car and all of a sudden she goes from like sweet Susie to shark attack mode. And she's going after everyone that comes in the door trying to sell them, I don't even know what. And at this point I'm like, okay, Time for me to peace out. So I devise this little strategy. I run into Bed Bath & Beyond. I tell Susie I gotta go to the bathroom. And I go back to the back aisle, you know where the comforters are? And I dip down and I pull out my phone and I'm like, Matt, I need you to come pick me up. I'm at this Bed Bath & Beyond. It's like 20 minutes away and he's like, I thought you were at an interview. What are you doing shopping? And I was like, no, it's a long story. I just need you to come pick me up. You know what I didn't do in this situation? I didn't pray. I didn't ask God to help me find a job. I went about this on my own accord. And you know what happens? We can find ourselves stepping in some messes. We gotta pray. We gotta ask God for what we're looking for. Back to Jairus. So the woman with the blood issue um, has been healed, but it's time for Jairus to get his miracle. Here's where we pick up verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, no, 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 don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. Just believe. You know, the word just, I find to be really interesting. I actually teach my team in the marketplace not to use the word just because it minimizes what comes after it. But I think Jesus was strategic in using this word just because he's saying it's that simple. Just believe. You know, there's another story in the Bible where Jesus is teaching his disciples about faith. And he says, faith like a mustard seed will move mountains. Faith, why do you think he uses a mustard seed? Because it's so small, you can't even tell if it's in my fingers right now. Faith, like a mustard seed. Let me put it this way. I've been married for 12 years. I can't get any more married. I just can't. You know, one of the young people here at Freedom House said, Miss Diana, you are locked. And I was like, I'm what? She was like, you're locked, you're cuffed. I was like, what, what does that mean? She was like, you're married, you're taken. Anyway, my point, I can't get any more married, but I can grow in the marriage that I have. Same thing with our faith. We don't need more faith. We just need to grow in the faith that we have. Because you know what? I have the same amount of faith that you have, and you have, and you have. So point number three in today's message, to put our faith in action, we need to grow in what we have. We need to grow in what we have. What did Jesus say to the woman? 
daughter, your faith has healed you. He didn't say my faith. He didn't say my power. He said your faith. It's not the size of our faith that matters. It's who we have faith in. You know, I love that the Bible talks about faith like a child. A few years ago, uh, my middle daughter, there was a storm in Charlotte, and it was one of those bad thunderstorms that kind of like rocks your house. Like we could literally feel, feel the house shaking. And she was so upset. So we prayed over her, and we asked that Jesus would come be in her room. Now the next day, she comes downstairs, goes outside, and sees that there's debris outside. And she said, Mama, there was a bad storm last night, right? And I said, yeah, baby. She said, but I don't have to be afraid, right? And I said, no, that's right, why not? Well, because Jesus was in my room last night. And I'm like, yeah, wait, wait, what? She was like, well, we prayed for that. And I'm like, I mean, I know we prayed for that, but wait, Jesus was in your room? Tell me about this. She starts to describe him. And she's describing him as a man. She's like, he's like daddy and, and, and my big brother. And I'm like, wow, what, what was Jesus doing? She said, he was singing to God. Faith like a child. I think sometimes we need to return back to our roots. You know, unbelief is not a natural state. That's a learned behavior. That's something that we acquire over time. But man, if we can just learn from the little ones that are around us to have faith like a child, I think it could be powerful. Faith like a child. I'm almost done here. Verse 51, same chapter. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, this is Jesus, he did not let anyone go with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. She's not dead, but asleep. I think somebody needed to hear that tonight. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But Jesus took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Point number four in today's message, how to put our faith in action, you're covered. Know that you're covered. Remember that centurion that we talked about? In the book of Matthew, the centurion comes to Jesus. His servant is ill on his deathbed, and he says, Jesus, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house, but only say the word, and he shall be healed. You know, the Bible says that Jesus marveled at his faith, marveled that no one in all of Israel, even his mother Mary, he had never seen such great a faith. Now, what's interesting about the centurion, he was a person of authority. By rank and order in the military, he was a person of authority. But you know what I love? He was also under authority because he believed that Jesus could heal him. And I think we need to know that it's, it's when we are submitted to, to authority, we are protected. If we are unsubmitted, we are unprotected. You know, I love that Jesus is the best front line that we ever had. And I think that because we are under his authority, that means that we don't have to doubt. 
We don't have to worry about our circumstances because he's got it covered. We don't have to worry about our bank account because he's got it covered. We don't have to worry about that person in our life that stabbed us in the back because he's got it covered. You know, last year, my daughter, she was four at the time, wanted to invite her teacher to church. And so she mustered up the courage, went to school, and invited her teacher to church. Now, let me just encourage you, parents in here, your little people are powerful. So don't ever discount the Holy Spirit in them because this teacher comes to church. She actually came to Central, and she had an encounter with Jesus that night that she never had before. She was crying after the service, and she said, I want to follow this man, Jesus. She starts attending Freedom House on a regular basis. She started serving. She joined life groups. And you know, this woman called me just the other day, and she said, you know, Diana, I just wanted to give you an update. I went to life group this morning, and I was hearing these stories from incredible women, and I just was so encouraged. You know, my life in this last year at Freedom House has changed. But what's interesting is my circumstances haven't. I'm still suffering from anxiety. I'm still suffering from depression. But what's cool is that I feel covered. I've got a a tribe of people around me that will pray for me, that will believe for me, that will encourage me. And for the first time in my life, I feel covered. You know, church, if we let Jesus be our front line, we don't have to worry. We can lay the things that we face in front of him and say, you know what, Jesus, this one's on you because I can't handle this in my own strength. Will you all stand to your feet? And I just want to take a moment And I want this moment to just be without distraction. So if you all will just join me and just bow your heads and close your eyes. I think that there's some people in here today that maybe you're in a place and all you need to do today is just go to Jesus. You've got a situation that you've been struggling with and it's something that you've been wrestling with in your own strength. You need to go to Jesus. I think there's somebody in here today that maybe you've been battling something, but you've yet to ask the Savior of the world to operate on your behalf. Maybe there's somebody in here today and you've been struggling because you feel like you don't have enough faith to overcome what you're facing. You just need to grow in what you have. And I think there's someone in here tonight that needs to be reminded that God loves you and that he's got you covered. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you haven't done, who you are, what you bring to the table. He's got you covered. And I just want to pray for you today. That's it. So if that's you, If you feel like one of those things hits you right where you are, would you just do something bold? Would you just put your faith in action today so that I can pray for you? Will you just lift your hand right now? 
Thank you for the hands all across the room. Come on, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't miss out on an opportunity for the Lord to meet you right where you are. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the great provider. Thank you that you are the author and finisher of our faith. Thank you, Father, that tonight we have everything we need through the power of Jesus to do exactly what you've called us to do. Thank you, Father, that we are enough for your love. Lord, I just pray that right now you meet each one of these hearts right where they are. Father, I pray that you show them what a magnificent God that you are. And Father, I pray that you not magnify their circumstance, but that you magnify your power amidst their circumstance. Lord, I pray for great provision over everyone represented here, that you show up and you show off like only you can do. It's tonight that we ask all these things in your precious son's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services. If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.